all over the place. They would, if they knew more about it, just to rest and uh, enjoy barbecues and great music and a wonderful weather, right? People would be doing that if they knew more about it. Well, we happen to live right here, and we get to just enjoy it all the time. We never get stressed. We don't have to worry about groceries and bills and, and schedules. We just get to hang out and enjoy it. All right, not so much. Well, it really is, though. Like, we are well taken care of. We live in a great place, and, if, and many others would love to live here. That's why you can't even rent a house in Clarence. Those that, that, uh, that, that experience that or buying a house in Clarence, it's not easy. This is a great place. So just take those images of vacation, not enjoying it yet, and living here and sometimes forgetting how good it is. And now picture something so much bigger, right? Picture a place of entire bliss, right? Uh, turn in your Old Testament, your, your, your bulletin to the Isaiah reading. Isaiah, at the very end of his book, last chapter, he shows us something that's really, really awesome. And I'll read this. I have a couple that go along with this that I ask readers to read for me. So look at verse 18. It says, uh, at the end of it, it says, The time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory. All right, so God is going to show his glory and share his glory with the world. And then he talks about how he's going to do this with all peoples, all these places that Kirk did a really nice job pronouncing, by the way. Maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. Uh, all these different nations, north, south, east, and west, people are coming from. And it says, they shall declare my glory among the nations. Look at verse 23. This is what we're getting, or verse 22. This is what is the end of Isaiah. This is the end of the world. It says this, for as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. So there's a promise here of a new heaven and a new earth. All the things that we love about this heaven and earth, God will make it new and perfect. And he goes on and says, from new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. So it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. We can't even fathom how good it's going to be. So the Bible talks about this new heavens and new earth that we're supposed to remember is coming and has already in part already come. I have a couple of verses. One is also from Isaiah. This new heavens and new earth, new earth is sometimes pictured as a feast, a, a literal feast with God. And this is Isaiah chapter 25, I believe. Libby is going to read this. Libby, we'll give you the microphone. If you have a Bible, it's Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6. You can listen. Listen, just close your eyes maybe and listen. Like heat in a dry place, you subdue the noise of the foreigners. Hold on, I think you're not the right place. Emily, no. Isaiah 25? Yeah, verse 5. Oh, go to verse 6. Oh. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Thank you, Libby. Does that sound good? 
this is the new heaven, the new earth. It's literally a feast with the best food, the best wine. Dave's going to read. So that's the end of, that's my Isaiah. Dave's going to read. I'm tethered here. Can you look at this Dave for a day from now? Just so we can read it. So the end of Revelation, which is the end of the Bible, chapter 21, there's one more chapter that tells more about this, but he's going to read from Revelation 21. And this is the vision that the Apostle John saw, that Jesus revealed to him. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. How's that sound? Sound good, right? No crying, no pain, no suffering. It's all good. It's all joy. It's awesome. And it's really easy to forget that because we're not there yet, right? We can't even imagine. And as as Dave said, this was the revelation to John. It's like he's trying to put it into words, a way that we can understand it. Paul says something like this that I'm quoting, but he says, "Eye has not seen, and ear has not heard the great things that God has prepared for those who love Him." So what, think of the wildest things. Like C.S. Lewis, that author, said, we're going to be swimming up waterfalls. Uh, we're going to be riding on great beasts. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be in the presence of the Lord, and it's going to be awesome, right? And Jesus said in our gospel reading today that people are going to come to this place from everywhere. So look at your gospel reading. It tells us that. People will come. This is verse 29. Jesus says, this is open, wide open for everyone. He says, people will come from east and west and from north and south and what? Catch it? Recline at table in the kingdom of God. I know you all like your food in Buffalo. That's like what everyone was telling us. When you move to Buffalo, oh, they like their food, right? They say it's good food, right? It is. I know a lot of you guys, how you cook and, and grill and all that stuff. It's good. And heaven has something like that. And Jesus says that people will come from all over to recline at table in the kingdom of God. It is very good, right? So, we might be tempted, and, and just like Jesus' people around him say, oh, this flowing to Jesus, flowing to the kingdom of God. Does everybody get there? And we want to answer, yeah, that would be really awesome. That would be. But someone asked Jesus that question, and we just read it. Take a look earlier in your gospel reading. Someone comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, will those who are saved be few? So he asks the questions about general people. There are going to be a lot of people in heaven. We wonder that, don't we? And Jesus doesn't answer the question. He turns it around to us particularly and says, don't worry about others. What about you? And this is what he says. Strive to enter the narrow gate. That word strive is like fight, wrestle. Do everything you can to enter through the narrow door. And then he says, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And this is the Jesus we don't like. What? Jesus, many people are trying to get in. You're not going to let them get in. Like, we'd be like Thomas Jefferson and cut this part out of the Bible. And, and go on, it says this, that when once the master of the house has risen, let's do a little Sunday school lesson since we don't have Sunday school today. 
Who is the master of the house? Sunday school answer? Jesus. Jesus. When once Jesus has risen, has Jesus risen? Yes. When Jesus has risen and dot, 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 that's where we are in 2022. Right now, Jesus has risen and he hasn't done the next thing yet, which is what? Shut the door. He hasn't shut the door yet. The door is still open. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he'll answer you. I don't know where he comes from. Then you'll begin to say, you pointed at us, then you'll begin to say, well, we ate and drank in your presence, and we taught in our streets. But he'll say, I tell you, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of, literally the word is unrighteousness. What is Jesus warning us against? Because, by the way, he's talking to people who believe in God, generally. What is he warning us against? I think it's something like presuming. Presuming you're in. Just no worries. I'm good. It's all going to work out. And what is it that we presume on? He says this, all you workers of evil. Nah, that sounds, I'm not evil, right? We wouldn't say that. But it's literally workers of unrighteousness, right? We're like, that me? Hopefully not. I, I saw a tweet or a Facebook post recently, and I'll just share it with you. It said something like this. If you stare at the sun from 93 million miles, we're 93 million miles away, if you stare at the sun, what happens to our eyeballs? They burn up, right? Right? Try it. Actually, don't. Right? <laughs> and it'll hurt. You'll lose your eyeballs from 93 million miles away. This is just one little cluster of energy. So how can we think that we can just waltz into the presence of the maker of all the stars and be just fine? Right? Can we just waltz into the presence of the Creator with what we have as unrighteousness? Can we do that? No. Just like if you go to the, the sun or you go to the moon, you need special gear, right? Well, we need special gear, and it sure ain't unrighteousness. We need something else. Flip over to your epistle reading. And I just share this with you because the author to Hebrews gives us a warning. He gives us tons of stuff here. Lots to hope in. But one thing he does is extend the warning of Jesus. Take a look at verse 14. He uses a similar word. He says, strive for peace. Kind of like it's strive to enter the narrow gate. Strive, with peace, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So, Hebrew author, you're telling me unless I'm holy, I don't get to be in that glory land. Is that what he's saying? That's what it says. Unless I am holy, unless I don't have unrighteousness, I can't be there. And he goes on, and he's writing this to people who believe in God. Verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain or literally receive the grace of God. Alright, so he's talking to us. What are ways that we perhaps may not receive the grace of God? Do you hear this warning, by the way? He's talking to us. Maybe we will be here and presume we're all good and not actually receive the grace of God. He tells us three things here. And then we'll move on. So this, is, this points to all of us. The first one is this. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble.
Maybe that's something like anger or unforgiveness, whatever it is. It's some anger in us. Maybe righteous, probably not. And by it, many become defiled. And in verse 18, also that no one is sexually immoral. So not only being angry can get, prevent us from receiving the grace of God, being sexually immoral can get us from receiving the grace of God. I talked to a brother the other day, and he said on one website, one of these illicit websites, they counted up how many hours were spent on this one website. And they said, in one year, there was 30,000 hours of use for this website. Just one. So is our country sexually immoral? Yeah. And we're, all of us are tempted with it every day. And here the warning is, if you are sexually immoral, you may be in a place where you're not receiving the grace of God. And the last thing he says, or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. We could say something like greed or corruption. Instant gratification. So do those things affect us? Bitterness, sexual immorality, greed. Ouch. Ouch, right? Okay. So what I call all that that I just shared with you from Hebrews, we talked about this the other day, the law. The law of God that shows us where we fall short. Who falls short? Everyone. We all fall short. We all have what Jesus calls unrighteousness. So should we just pack up and say, don't try harder? It's not going to help us. All right, so look at, let's continue reading Hebrews so that we can have some hope here. Verse 18 talks about that law, and he calls it Mount Sinai. He says, you have it come to what may be touched. And he goes on to describe where the law was given. A blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. In verse 21, indeed so terrifying was the sight that even Moses said, I tremble with fear. That's where the law was given. Because that was a conditional covenant. You must keep this to be holy keep the law. And they said, we'll do it. And they did it for about a minute. Right? You haven't come to that place, the right writer here says. Where have we come to? Verse 22. You want to highlight this in your Bible, circle it, take it to heart. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion, or we, we approached Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God. It's that beautiful place where God dwells in holiness. And we have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festival gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all. If we stop right there, we're still in the same place. Yikes. Now I'm surrounded by holy angels and those who've gone on before me who are holy. Dude, I'm still no good, right? But there's a comma there who says, we've come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, not who made themselves perfect, the saints in heaven who have been made perfect. And hallelujah to Jesus. What's so good about Jesus? He's the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This new covenant is Jesus giving his life for us. His blood for us. It's like our space suit, our sun suit, our holy suit. So we can be in the presence of God forever. Is that good news or what? Amen. So, 
So what? It's out there. The door is open. The door is, Jesus said, people will come from north and south and east and west. The door is wide open. We all say it's narrow. How narrow? About, uh, I like to say this, about this wide. This is how wide the door is to heaven. Kind of like your bulletin cover. It's not an easy place to get through. It's not wide at all. It's about as wide as Jesus. Right? Jesus on the cross paid the ransom for all of us. By his blood that we receive, that you literally receive when you go and kneel at the altar. When you take your sin, your bitterness, your greed, your sexual immorality, and you drop it at the rail. This throne room almost. You drop it there, and then in your hands, in your mouth, what do you receive? The very blood of Jesus, the new covenant, the one who gives us the new covenant to forgive us. Is that good or what? I, I don't know how to help you apply this other than uh, what the author to Hebrews says at the very end. Take a look uh, at the end of chapter 12. He says this, in response to all this, that we've come to this place. It's kind of like we've come to this vacation land, but in the middle we've still got to do all this stuff to actually experience it. So he says this, verse 25, see that you don't refuse him who's speaking. Listen, listen to God. And then the second, next thing, he goes on, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And then, thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God's a consuming fire. How do we offer acceptable worship to God? It's believing that by his blood we are made clean and holy. It's by giving him thanks and praise. And I'll just close with this line from some of our, our thoughts, the Lutheran thoughts, is that the highest form of worship is to believe God. To believe that God, what God says is true. So let's do that. Let's believe that what God says is true. That will get us through this time when we're not on vacation yet. Amen? Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Having heard the word of God, I invite you to stand as you're able and to confess your faith printed in your bulletin, the apostles' creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty.